blessed this morning that we've got a message from our senior pastor, Pastor David. So I ask you to take your seats and get comfortable, but not too comfortable. And turn your eyes to the screen and we'll hear from Pastor David. Good morning, church. How are you going? Wonderful to be with you this morning. Wish I could be with you in person, but that's not happening. Today you have the carols, Headland carols being put on for the community, championed by your church, C3 Church, our church. It's a wonderful venture that we have loved doing for over 30 years, being a part of bringing a little bit of Christmas, a little bit of Christ at this time to our town where people actually want to come along. It's fantastic. I'm just cheering you on and praying that it's going to be a wonderful event this evening. Bill and I have, uh, we are enjoying being in Coffs Harbour. We do wish we could be with you more often, but uh, here we go. We're loving the process of handing over this church to pastors Brad and Jackie and just proud of them and, and the job that they're doing. And I know that this is the, the busiest time of the year. And so I just ask your support for them as they work very hardly, very, <laughs> as they work very hard to, uh, to, to present everything that has to be done at Christmas time. You know what it's like, and they've got a, a young family as well. So uh, yeah, we just pray for Brad and Jackie and may God bless you and keep you and uh, prepare the way before you and, and, and keep you sustained in everything that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray that. Amen. Well, we're at the beginning of December and this is a Christmas message. And interestingly, I'm not focusing primarily on the birth of Jesus today. Now, no doubt, Pastors Brad and Jackie will bring some more of that message over the, over the Christmas month, over the next few weeks, and uh, you'll hear a lot about the baby Jesus being born. But I want to focus on some of the, the story around it. And I believe that the God, um, Holy Spirit has given me a, uh, a theme and an insight just this week about Christmas that I'd never really seen before in such detail. And now that I've seen it, I can't unsee it. And I want, I want to present this to you in a way that you are like detectives working out what's this theme he's talking about. So I'm going to read you four or five little snippets and stories around the time that Jesus was born. And, and I want you to be thinking about it. What is this theme that he's bringing to us. And it starts with John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. Now, they were only six months apart. Uh, Mary had Jesus and went up to visit her cousin, her elderly cousin, Elizabeth. Mary was very young. She was, uh, we think, around about in her, in her mid to late teens. And, and Elizabeth was very old, um, what they would consider past the age of childbearing. So, we are thinking she was late 50s, 60s, something like that. It's, it's unclear. We're not actually told, but she was past the age of childbearing. However, here is the son, John, in the wilderness. And uh, I'm just going to pick it up at this point where John is out in the wilderness and uh, people, are, the crowds in John, sorry, Luke chapter 3, verse 7 
and I'm reading from the New International Version, the NIV today. John said to the crowds coming to be baptized by him, and he talked to them, he called them all sorts of names. He called them a brood of vipers, a, a bunch of snakes, and told them to flee from the coming wrath of God. Flee and, and produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So he, he was very hard on the people. And uh, it goes down and the soldiers ask him, what should we do? And John told them to be fair, be content with your pay, don't cheat people, don't boss people around, don't be bullies. John taught all this stuff. And then as the people kept coming out to hear John, they started to wonder, is this the Messiah? Is this the one we've been waiting for? Because 400 years has gone by. 400 years since the last prophet in the Old Testament has gone by. And what we see in those 400 years was, a they call them the silent years. There was, uh, history goes on, there was conquering, the Greeks came in and conquered, the, 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 the Jews came back from Babylon, the, from, uh, the, from exile, and they, they resurrected their country, their town, Jerusalem, only to be conquered again. And again, so you've got the Greeks that were ruling them, and then the Greeks were in turn conquered by the Romans. And once again, they're under the rule. So the Jews are feeling like, we want our Messiah to come. We want to come. And, and, and we've, we've, been, we've been hanging out since Abraham, since the promise of Abraham that, that uh, the Messiah is going to come and rescue us from everything. That, now that's 2,000 years prior. And in fact, even before that, Jesus or uh, the mention of a saviour was right back in the Garden of Eden in creation where uh, Adam and Eve were. But here we go. And John is, this is what's happening. The people were waiting expectantly and were wondering, they were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. And John answered them all, I baptise you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. That's the first little portion. I'm going to go backwards from John chapter 3. I'm going back to John chapter 2, verse 41. Now, here we have Jesus as a 12-year-old. Now, it's an interesting little story. We don't have a lot of stories from Jesus' youth, from his growing up. We have him as a baby. We have him as a 12-year-old. Then later on, we have him in his 30s. There's very, very little. But listen to this. Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to their custom. And after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they used to travel as a big troop, a big township. The whole town would get together and travel in numbers for safety and ease and looking after each other. And just They traveled on for a day. They began looking for him amongst their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him. Interesting, three days. Three days keeps turning up throughout the word, throughout the scriptures. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers. That's not the theme, by the way. Sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Did you not know that I would have to be in my father's house? 
just a, an interesting little point there. Mary says, your father and I, talking about Joseph. Jesus said, didn't you know I would be in my father's house, making a difference between his earthly father and his heavenly father. That's the second part. Here's the third little story. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and she'd lived with her husband for only seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean meant that she actually literally never left the temple, but it was for the, from, from her waking hours, that's where she was. She considered it her job to be at the temple. Fasting and praying, what for? Well, my question is, what do, you, what do you fast for? What do you pray for? Well, she was fasting, we believe, fasting for the salvation of the nation of the Jews. She was fasting for and praying for the coming of the Messiah, the Christ. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God. So she's come in on the back end of another story, which we're going to read in a moment, of Simeon. She came up and she gave thanks to God and she spoke of about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So there's your answer. She spoke of the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So the saving of Jerusalem from the Romans is another one. Now, this is back Luke 2 verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the, Lord, the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So he went from wherever he was, working, doing what priests do, and moved by the Spirit, he went intentionally into the courts. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, there's a whole lot of circumcision going on at this Passover moment. Uh, that's just what happened. And, and Simeon took him in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. That's Simeon. And then lastly, we've got Elizabeth. And this is right back in chapter 1. And I won't read all this story because it's a, it's, it's a very long story. So starting at verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of the Lord, observing all the Lord's commandment and regulations and blameless, blamelessly, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. You go through the story, it's a lovely story about how an angel turns up to Zechariah in the temple and tells him you're going to have a son. 
All right, so there's the, the five portions of the early part of Christmas, and I'm just going to go back and, and recap them quickly. The people who John was talking to were waiting expectantly and all wondering in their hearts. Mary and Joseph anxiously searching for Jesus. Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, she spoke about the child to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon, he said, uh, there was a man called Simeon who was anxious and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And then Elizabeth and Zechariah waiting and waiting all their life for the birth of a child that they didn't think was ever going to turn up in there. They did not feel that they were going to be blessed by this, but in the end, they were. And here's the theme that the Holy Spirit impressed upon me this week. And that is that when something momentous is about to happen, it doesn't happen without waiting and anxiously searching and looking forward and there's, there's good stuff that's going to happen. There's, there's good things that are going to occur. But waiting is a part of the Christian world. And I've entitled this message, What Are You Waiting For? What are you waiting for? Because what we're waiting for is, well, it determines really where our heart is. And, and, and you know, one of Jesus' first preachers, his first sayings was, uh, where your heart is, store up your treasures in heaven because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the right things? Um, as a child growing up in rural New Zealand in a little Maori school, Maori community, uh, Christmas time came around each year as it does, but to me as a four, five, five, six, seven year old, I can just recall a moment, I know where I was standing, I was standing in the bathroom and I was going, why does Christmas have to take so long to get here? And as a child, time is, it just stretches out before you. A year is, is an eternity to a child. It takes such a long time to go by. And Christmas was only 32 days away. And yet for me, it just felt like that would never pass. It would never pass. There have been other things. Think of a time in your life where you've been waiting for something to happen, waiting for something to occur. I can think of a couple uh, in my world. In my one is when we were when I was waiting to become pastor, and uh, and we went down to Perth to go to Bible college. Lil and I and three small children, some ages five to nine. And, and I had in my diary, I had a two-year diary there, two-year calendar, and I had, this is before phones and iPhones and all the rest of it, and I had, I was crossing off the days. I had the number of weeks counted out. I was waiting for the day when we would start this ministry that God had called us to. It was such a, a joy to start it and, and get there. Uh, more recently, when we were coming, getting ready to leave Port Hedland. Once again, I, I calculated out, this is the amount of time we've got to go before we, and I had things to get done before, before we could leave. And there was a whole, you know, what it's like, if you've got to move house, if you've got to do anything, you've got to 
got to achieve the things that you've got to achieve before you can go. And uh, but at the same time, there was that sense of anticipation and eagerly looking forward to a life change, which uh, has been wonderful, but not without its challenges. So once again, I was marking off the time and, and, and marking it down and, and checking it out. Well, what are you waiting for? It actually has a couple of different meanings. Firstly, uh, as I asked, I, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the right things? Are you waiting for that moment that you see Jesus? Uh, no, maybe, maybe not, because, you know, that means I have to die. I'm not waiting. I'm not hanging out and waiting till the moment I die. But, you know, some, some people, once they've lived for the Lord and, and they trust that God's going to take them and whisk them away from the moment that they, they pass on, uh, I have known a number of people as they've got elderly, faithful Christians, and they just say, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to go home. I'm, I'm just I'm tired, my body's worn out, I'm tired of all these problems, and I'm ready to go home to heaven to be with the Lord. Uh, that's what they're waiting for. One old lady comes to mind uh, who spoke to a friend of mine, the pastor who actually brought us into and, and gave, Pastor Will Pope was his name, gave us the, the promise, look, you're to be a pastor, the first one to actually spot it and say it. He said there was an old elderly lady down in Perth that, that had been bedridden for a few years and she she wanted to go home. She wanted to, she said, why is God not taking me? I just wanted to, and he said to her, what, what do you do all week? Well, I just pray for people. I pray for the church. I pray for pastors. I pray for family. I pray for, I just pray for, you know, I'm on prayer group. Pastor Will said, well, it'll be a sad loss when you do pass on because maybe this is why God's keeping you here for all the good that you're doing in, in your prayer. And, uh, that was a comfort to her, but uh, by now, both she and Pastor Will and his wife, Angela, they're all, they're all in heaven now with the recreated new bodies, the, the, the resurrection body that we're all promised that we will have if we place our trust in, in Jesus Christ, the one who came, who was born at Christmas time, that we celebrate his birth. He came so that we could have eternal life with him. But then listening to another story this week, I was listening to a, a, a teacher, uh, Gregory Kukul. It was called The Story of Reality. And as he finished his story of reality, Kukul, I'll spell it for you, it's K-O-U-K-L, Gregory Kukul, K-O-U-K-L, in case you want to look it up. He's written another good book called Tactics, which is all about logic and talking to people about Jesus and talking about um, spiritual matters. And I find him fascinating because, uh, as Gregory Kukul was pointing out as he finished off his book, he said there's a, there's a story or a phrase, and I, I, I forget the reference and who it was because I was listening to it on audio. And he said, when, if you are in hell and you have been wait, you know, you have been in torment every day and every day that goes by, you cry a tear until a bucket is full. That's 92,000 days, 92,000 drops in a, in a bucket, or until a swimming pool is full. It could be 100,000 days, 100,000 years, and you're waiting to be rescued, and there is no rescue. 
and there never will be. You've, you've only just started and there's no hope of ever getting out of torment. Now this is, it really hit home to me. It struck me as, well, that's right. And I, and I got this real burden for my friends, for the people that I know that are, ta- are, are around me. And, and all of a sudden I, I felt heavy. And I feel like this is, this is what God is feeling. He's, he's waiting until time is full and he's, he's holding back from coming back again because he wants more people to be saved out of hell out of eternal punishment he wants as many people to be saved as possible and i feel like he's saying to me what are you waiting for come on get get back onto the job you're yes you may have left pastoring a church and be winding out of that but your job is not over your job is to go out and seek and save those that are lost. That was why I came to earth. It wasn't just to save the Israelites from the Romans. That's what they were waiting for, and they thought that was it. But it wasn't just, it was bigger than that. And Simeon mentioned it. He said, uh, to save the Gentiles and the Israelites as well. So here we are. You've got friends that are going to a Christless eternity, which is sounds, you know, it, it sounds like it just, it doesn't have the impact, does it? It's like softening it, Christless eternity. Well, that's true. And, and an eternity without Christ is eternity without life. And we don't want that. We, we want to take this Christmas gift that God has provided. God doesn't want that. But he can't, he cannot have sin and impurity and and he gives us our free will as human beings. He gives us our free will to reject him. But that's not what he wants. He cannot take anyone into his kingdom. He cannot take anyone into his place, his heavenly dwelling, except that the person accepts and they want to be there. So here's the thing. God paid the very price himself because no one else could. And he sent Jesus down to earth. And Jesus began as a fetus, as a non-understanding. And he grew. This is the verse. Following on from from where uh, they found Jesus in the temple, Mary... He went down to Nazareth with them. This is Mary, as Mary and Joseph have taken Jesus. He went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. He held, she held these stories in her heart. And he, she brought them out when Luke, the writer, Luke was a doctor, he was a companion of Paul. He wrote down all Paul's letters. He wrote down the Acts of the Apostles. So he, he traveled with Paul and wrote down his stories. And then he went back and he did, he investigated, he went back and talked to Mary and Mary treasured these things in her heart and brought them out for Luke. And verse 52 says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and men. Jesus grew from a baby. He grew in wisdom. He grew in knowledge and in intelligence and understanding. 
and he grew physically. So here's, here's Jesus coming as a baby, as a human, God of the universe. The only thing that can sufficiently pay for what we broke back at, at, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And, and every one of us has done exactly the same thing. Uh, we broke. We broke the world. God came to fix the world. And Jesus came. And, and John the Baptist, getting back to John the Baptist, he said, no, I'm not the Messiah. He answered them all. I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whom, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. And he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So you've got this theme. You know, it's, it's unpopular to believe in hell. It always has been. It's easier to believe in heaven that everyone goes to the same place and the right place and, and is happy now and, and is looking down on us or, or just disappear altogether. But what's very unpopular is hell. And yet, if you're sitting here and you've given your life into Jesus' care, you've accepted the sacrifice that God the Father provided for us to enable us to go and be with him and you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and is God, and can save us from our sins, that we are recreated, made again. If you've done that, well, that's fantastic. You're going to heaven, you're safe, you're saved. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? What are you waiting for? You've, you've, got, a, you've got a calling, and that is if we, if we believe what we say we believe about heaven and hell, then we need to get on. Stop waiting, stop hanging around. And, and not just be so worried about the things that I want and waiting for what I want, but, but waiting on the things that God wants. God, we could ask, what on earth is God waiting for? What's God waiting for? Is he waiting for you? Is he waiting for you to get going? If you're sitting here and you've never, or, or watching online, and you've never actually made that decision to say, all right, God, I'm going to accept what you have done. I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. I'm going to, I'm going to say yes. Well, after this, you'll get an opportunity to pray the prayer along with us and, uh, and, and you'll step right in, right into that. And then you join us as a family because the church exists to worship our God and to seek and to save the lost. It's our dual purpose, to worship our God, to say thank you for what you've done. And to seek and save that was those those that are lost. And and just think about this. As we are become part of God's solution, and we go out as a church, imagine what we are going to look like. We're, we're going to be a people that are we're patient because hey, we've learned what it is to wait. We, we've sat in God's waiting room for many things, sometimes like Elizabeth and, and Zechariah. Sometimes you, after a long period of waiting, God's answer turns up. Yes. Sometimes it doesn't ever turn up. 
We still seem to spend all this time waiting. Whatever the case may be, we wait in trust because we know that at the end of our waiting, we're going to move straight into heaven, straight into a life of an eternal life where it's not a tear every day. It's not anguish. It's not pain and suffering and loneliness, but communion and friendship and fun and light and, and warmth and food and, and just a, a lifetime that is worth living. And when you've been there 100,000 years, 10,000 years, 100,000 years, a million years, it's only just begun. It's only just begun. And so we walk out of this space today and we have an opportunity to invest in our friends and invite our friends places. Invite your friends to carols. Go sit with them. Talk with them. This is how connections are made. Because it seems that everyone is waiting for something. Someone once said there's, there's a God-shaped hole in every person. And everybody's seeking and, and wanting to have that emptiness filled. Well, your, your job is to help fill that hole. What are you waiting for? God bless you. Let's pray. If you want to pray this prayer with me, if we all pray this together. Heavenly Father, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth, being born as a baby, for growing in wisdom and stature, for going to the cross for my sin, for rising again, for giving me your eternal life. I give you my life in return. Amen. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Hey, thank you so much for watching. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing from our channel. And share with a friend because you never know who you're going to bless. You can also catch us live every Sunday morning at 9.30am Australian Western Standard Time. We'd love to see you there.